Hello. Oh, darling, oh, how welcome are to you? Hi. Oh, honey. Yo, you're so honey, tall. Babe. Oh, my God, you babe, beautiful bitch. Grown. Oh, my God, you stupid bitch. You're going to do the intro? Yes, hi, everyone. Welcome to Praise Dionysus. Praise him. Praise him. Oh, 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 oh yeah. I can't believe how much yes. you've grown. I can't mm. believe it. Yes. Um, uh, it's our midsummery it's still. It's our midsummery. It is midsummery 2023 for the Midsummer Festival in Melbourne. Uh, so we're talking about three shows today. So we're doing Spunk Daddy by Autonomous Inventions, In the Ghetto by Cracked Actors Theatre, and The Milf and Mistress at Theatre Works. Unbelievable. Sounds like a good mix. Yeah. Well, we'll find out together, won't I we? I guess so. Yes. Will this sandwich taste terrible or just scrumptious? <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll find out if that sandwich... Is terrible or scrumptious? <laughs> Come take a bite with us. <laughs> Yuck. Stop it. Hello. Oh! Oh! Hey. Um, here we are again. <laughs> yeah. Sitting down. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you just tuning in, as these are released, <laughs> it'll sound like we've spent a week apart, but if for us, it has been not apart at all. <laughs> Indeed, we've been holding hands the whole time. The whole time. Yeah. Also, I don't know, I don't think this will come out a week later, I think. It'll oh, be... I don't know, Jake. It's... I don't know movies. We're on a festival clock, you know? True, true. Yeah. For you, it may have been some days to one day, maybe. Yes. And to be clear, the you he's talking to now is you and you, not me. Yeah, yeah, no, I never yes. talked to Jake. Yes. Um, <laughs> we went and got banh mi and salad. We did. And potato cakes. Uh-huh. Uh, we ate them. Uh-huh. Went we... past the ice cream store. My imaginary boyfriend, boyfriend was not there. Not there. No, there was still that confusing, like, Nutella chocolate fountain that is always going. I didn't see that. It's like a faucet they have on the table, like, on the bench where they serve you. That's just always running, like, brown goo. I don't trust a chocolate fountain. Why not? It's moving. Isn't that so the rule with my creeks? My nickname was in high school. Was what? Chocolate fountain. Ew. I have real bad diarrhea. Oh my god. I'm sorry. Um, no, I just don't trust them. Like, because it, it's. Are you the same with like fondue fountains? Yeah, it's like everything gets sucked in the bottom and then just spat out the top again. It's like. You don't oh. trust that there's some sort of filtration system going on? Jake, what filtration system do you think a chocolate fountain has? I just think they're so magical they have to be safe. No. I just want the science to be there. I'll believe the flimsiest science. There's no science there. If disgusting. the chocolate's moving, it outruns the bacteria. <laughs> Thank you, Doctor. <laughs> if the cheese is liquid, you can eat it fine. Uh, ew, you're thinking about the liquid cheese fondue liquid fountains? Liquid cheese fondue, yeah. Oh, God. Have you ever had one? No. No. Yuck. Liquid I don't che- like fountains. <laughs> you don't like fountains? I don't, I don't mind water fountains. I'm not drinking out of them. <laughs> oh, sure, but nothing in a fountain really needs to go in your mouth. No, and mm-hmm. should not be. Like I should not look at something and go... This looks good. You know what it needs, though? It needs to be cycled through the same <laughs> tube every five minutes. So does drinking water. Yeah, but that's different. Oh, yeah? Because it's, it's underground. We're all it's the underground, clean stuff we lives. don't see it. <laughs> yeah. We don't see it. <laughs> out of sight, out of mind. And also, it's not its a—it's cl- not a closed system. You know, it doesn't, like, keep looping back on itself. The water reaches the end, you drink it, that's the end of it. Do I have to explain what the water table is? Yeah, but it's much larger. <laughs> that's fine. Okay. That's okay. That's natural. <laughs> that's okay. Okie dokie do. Um, but what about if you're like the, the fondue is like stationary? What if it's like a, a heated bowl? Look, not my favourite, but I'll do that. Okay. Chocolate or cheese, if you had a, got to choose? Uh, if I had to choose, I would probably say chocolate, because the cheese, I feel like... 
after a while it gets a bit gross. Sure. Like it gets stringy mm-hmm. and like it gets all clumpy. Whereas chocolate, when it gets a bit clumpy, that's fine. It's chocolate. Yeah, just going back to its regular yeah, form. It's like, <laughs> to, to it's like a dust egg return. It's like a ghost being a person again. <laughs> it's almost better. Oh, it's beautiful, actually. Not to be um, anti-ghost. I prefer to eat all my chocolate. You're always anti-ghost. No! Actually, you're pro-ghost. You love that musical. The, oh, especially which production? The Rob Mills. The Rob Mills production yes. of Ghost. You yes. didn't mean the witch production of Ghost. <laughs> Yeah, no, much. that'd be a good little crossover. That'd be great. They'd love that. But we need Witch the musical first, so then they can. It has to be like like Predator versus. Oh, true. Freddy and then versus Jason can put on a, a production of Witch, and then Witches can put on a production of Ghost. Oh, oh, like real life Witches and to a production ghosts. of Ghost. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, there are a lot of potential layers to this experience. I have a life. All right. So uh, um, <laughs> my week, I forgot to mention, I finished a book. You did not. I did. I finished reading a book. I'm quite happy about it. Do you mean pamphlet? Just to be clear, for the fans. <laughs> uh, no, I mean book. It was words. Yeah, what was the book? It's called Less Is Lost. Less Is Lost. Did you, did you ever read Less? No, you told me to. Is that the one with like the gay guy falling down? Just the gay guy falling down on the front cover. That's <laughs> yeah. it. I love tripping guys. Um, yeah, it's just a sequel to that. It's just a, a, a like a middle-aged to older gay man hmm. just going through his life and just realising he's a bad gay. Oh, did he realise that at the first end of the first book as well? It's like a running theme through the book. Is like him sort of thinking, am I a good gay or am I a bad gay? Like, that's part of it. That's like a bad person who is gay or bad, bad at being, at being gay. gay? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's just, he thinks he's bad. That's not the whole story, but that's like a, a thread through it. It's a good book. Finish okay. it. Sure. And now I'm on to another one. So that's, uh, I forgot to mention that. Did that's it make exciting. you a better gay reading it? Uh, I would argue that it has not made a difference to the sort of gay that I am. <laughs> I'm exactly the same gay as I was before. You really had a profound experience it's with this book. The, it's changed me uh, in terms of I now have... Another book in your another house. Another book in my, my, my house and my brain. Yeah. Um, but no, it hasn't really made me uh, interrogate the way that I live my life as a gay man. Oh, okay. You're no. nailing it. Thank you. I'm, I've got it down. I right? took that immediately as <laughs> yeah. a statement. It's really interesting um, <laughs> how your mind works. <laughs> Jake, have you read a book this week? What have you done? <laughs> um, yeah, well, I finished Rob Mills' beautiful classic book. Any more updates apart from Putting on a show. threesome? No, I think I gave you all of the hot takes. The God, other thing that, that I think take. I forgot to say was that he's friends with Shura Taft. Like, to this day, he's good friends Who's with that? Shura Taft. Is this guy that I think at some point was in sports in some sort of way, but not for very long or maybe not in a very substantial way. Mm. And then he hosted this like children's quiz show. Okay. And it was like, it was like called something really like, like it was like mastermind or like smart bitch. It was something Are you smarter than a fifth grader. No, it was something more like it wasn't go, go stop, but it also wasn't sale of the century. Okay. It was something in the middle where it was like kids being asked really simple questions. Um, I could do that. And oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, and but he was like, what I loved about watching it, and it was on, like I was in high school when it was on television, and my favorite thing about it was how begrudging his participation in, in Rob it Mills. was. No, Rob Mills had no Shura Taft. Was Shura Taft. Him. Okay. Shura Taft. Um, and this was my first experience of Shura, <laughs> and he'd stand there and just like he, it looked like he hated the kids. He hated the job. He hated having to do the job. He hated the concept of the show. Was it <laughs> and he his want- show? And he wanted everyone to lose. He was the host. Oh my god! <laughs> but yeah, he seemed really mad at all the kids. They really managed to find like the least child person they could, and just gave him a show where he had to deal with children. He he fucked someone up in the in, too high up in the ring. It seems like, yeah, mm. someone is getting sweet, sweet vengeance. Yes. Like, look, you can sometimes be a sport correspondent on, on Sunrise as long as you last a year on this show that you'll hate. I'm looking up Shura Taft. Okay, sure. 
You, you keep going. Of course, yeah, I'll keep talking while you actively don't listen to me. Hmm? Um, hmm? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was that. But yeah, otherwise, Rob Mills's book, I think I've already relayed to you most of the huge bombshells. Um, it certainly made me respect him even more. He's Good. a very impressive man. Um, finished that. I also finished reading House of Holes. Oh, yes, you told me about that one, yes. Yes, I took a break from it because I got distracted. Um, but it's Was like... it called The Mole? No. Did uh, he host when The Mole came back? Did he, he host, host that? He seemed to host The Mole. Oh, well done, Shira. Mm. The Mole. Or fucking... the original Mole, I don't know. Well, Grant Bowler hosted the original Mole. So House of Holes. <laughs> House of Holes! House of Holes. House of Holes, it's like an erotic novel. Mm. It was one of those ones where it's like difficult to explain to people when they corner you. Like I was at school the other day and one of my teachers was like, what are you reading? And I was like, it's called House of Holes. And he was like, do I want to know what you're reading? And I was like, it's erotic. <laughs> and it's about sensuality. Your favourite. <laughs> yeah, and it's like a series. It's this thing where people... I'm not going to, it's almost like describing a dream to somebody. Here's a book I read that you know nothing about. Yeah. Um, you get sucked into like any sort of like like circle in your life can like, you can be sucked through it if you're the right sort of person into this place called the House of Holes, mm. which is just like this sort of like paradise-y kind of place where everyone's very openly sexual. And Ooh. it's sort of just like, it's almost like a more like loving, nourishing, goofy version of like 120 Days of Sodom. Right. Like it's okay. almost like in terms of like the, the way the book functions, like it's almost just like chapter by chapter. It's like a little story about being in this place where eroticism is kind of like the point. Great. And yeah, it was just kind of like erotic in surprising ways. Like there was like a, a part where a woman got shrunk down and put inside a man's penis. And then, <laughs> so her head was sort of like sticking out of his urethra. And oh. then it was about like getting her out through like erotic pleasure. Ooh, okay. So there's a real, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. What do you think your experience in the House of Holes would be, Jake? If I went into it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I just, what seems to happen is you sort of like gallivant around until something kind of takes your fancy. You know, oh, there's okay. a lot of stuff going on. And sometimes you get like a woman coming up and be like, oh, I know what you need. <laughs> you need to be put in my nipple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I don't know. Why does something immediately leap out to you? Not at all. And I don't think we should discuss it. <laughs> um, there's one where there's like a big sort of like creamy like lake. And then women can like sort of paraglide down and sort of like surf atop its surface with their vaginas. Oh, that sounds like it would feel nice. Right? Mm. It's a lot of that sort of thing. Interesting. I'd want to, like, do all those things. Hmm. <laughs> That's the thing. And it was part of the reason that I started reading it in the first place was to kind of, yeah, explore my own idea of what my feelings about sensuality and sex and whatnot is. Yeah. And it certainly helped me tap into, like, exploring the ideas that sort of exist on the periphery of what sexual normalcy in terms of behavior and desire is. Right. was cool in the way that it makes you... When was it you... written? Quite recently. Okay, right, right. Yeah, Nicholson Baker wrote it. Yeah, pretty recently. Good on you, reading books. Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so what's, what are you going to give the last like, couple of what, days out of what? <laughs> what are you going to rate it? Yeah, great. Um, okay, well, I'm going to give mm-hmm. uh, my last, I guess, my last hour. Yeah. I'm going to give it 18 out of 18 because that's how much it costs for me to get two potato cakes a dim sim and a giant salad. Oh, good value at good this place. Good value. Good service, good value. Fuck yes. What about you? How do you feel about Sam Smith's music video? I love it. Why? I watched it the other night and I just think it's just, it's camp, it's fun, he's living his best life. Mm-hmm. I think it's nice seeing gay people who aren't conventionally skinny and like muscly flumping around and getting their bodies out. I think it's great. <laughs> yeah. I think it's really great. I like it a lot. And I also think the actual 
costume and choreography and direction of that music video is really stunning. Because mm, what's it called? I'm not here to make friends. Yeah, yeah, I'm not here to make friends. Sure. It's also, it sounds like a good song. I hadn't actually heard the song before I saw the music video. Sure. Mm, what do you think about it? Yeah, I quite like the song, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think that the take that I've found most interesting about it is someone on the internet said, like, um, it, it's like gr- it, the, the idea of someone doing something really positive for, especially in the gay community, something positive in terms of body inclusivity is great. Mm. But it's interesting that in this music video and potentially outside of it, but if you're just looking at this one video as an example of this, it's interesting that Sam Smith wants everyone to embrace their body and declare them beautiful and embrace them in that, in that sort of way. Right. But then goes about surrounding themselves with, with no, like, with ex- exclusively like yeah. beautiful models and it's like, do you think that you are the only beautiful larger person? Because that's kind of the message that you're sending. Yeah, that's... You choose not to surround yourself with anyone who also belongs to the group that you belong to. Yeah, that's interesting. It's like a weird level of hypocrisy. I hadn't thought about that. Mm. I think I still like it. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think I still like it because it's, it's, in the end, it's meant to be like his fantasy. Like it's what His he's, fantasy you know, is being surrounded by people that aren't fat. Yeah, <laughs> and I guess that's... Yeah, I've walked myself into that corner. What? <laughs> well... I just think it's a nice music video. And I, I choose not to read into it too much because <laughs> I have the privilege to not be able to. You already read something this year. I read a book. Take some time What do you off. want from me? <laughs> Jesus. Um, so I guess I'll give my last little while... Mm, 40. <laughs> 40. Because nice. <laughs> that's how old Sam Smith is. <laughs> Good on you. That's a real nice comparison. I don't think Sam Smith's 40. <laughs> look it up. Nah. 30. He's 30 years old. Oh, Sam Smith yeah, is. Yeah, he's not 40. He's I rounded up. <laughs> <laughs> I took a stab. You took a stab and you missed. <laughs> Go on. Um, so, remember how I was at the MC showroom in the last tale that I told yes. to see Protein? Didn't see the hole? Nope. <laughs> didn't see the hole. No, didn't see the hole. No, again, I was anxious. I was standing right there. Oh, God. So, saw Protein, came out of it. Then had to do the thing where it's like, so I was, so what I'm currently talking about is seeing Spunk Daddy. Yeah, okay, right. Which was on like, sort of like half. Protein and then Spunk Daddy. That's a cummy night. (laughs) Oh, cummy night. (laughs) The stars. I want to be in Carol's by candlelight. (laughs) You're not Marina Pryor. Oh, not yet. more like Marina Trier. (gasps) That's the name of a drag queen that impersonates Marina Pryor. Really? Yeah. Have you seen them before? We saw them at the, before um, the bistro I used to work at, we did a Christmas party. Mm. um, And we went to see... Uh, a Christmas extravaganza at Chapel Off Chapel, mm-hmm. and one of the performances was Marina Trier. Marina Trier. Any good? Pretty, yeah, pretty good. Pretty did, solid. Yeah. Did like a number about like I can't remember what the song was, but they changed the lyrics to be all about like like Pirates of Penzance and cats and like shows she'd been in. It was done loving. Oh, her rich performative history. Honestly. Yeah. yeah honestly, yeah. Um, and that's great. My... She's under celebrated, really. She is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so protein ended. I scurried out of the theatre so that they could change over the sets for the next piece. I went into the corner, <laughs> like a dying cat, <laughs> went over to where the bar is to read my little book. <laughs> and what? I just, go on. I had to read my book yep. because there was a bunch of stuff happening. There was a whole social hullabaloo and I did not want to, I don't know, somehow, I don't know. Put your foot in it. Put my foot in it. <laughs> so I hid in the corner Great. and I read my book and a friendly bartender lady was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, reading. And she was like, oh, hiding from the people. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Ha ha ha. 
she read me like a book. Oh, <laughs> that's what she did. That's good. Um, yeah. So then waited for the the theater doors to open back up so I could have my next Darby James experience great. because he wrote this one as well. Oh, great. Um, and prior to going to this, so, so, so prior to going to Spunk Daddy, mm-hmm. the show that I was about to walk into, I'd received word that it was no longer going to be like a fully fledged production. It was going to be a like a like a stage reading of some sort. Oh, okay. so I was like, oh, quirky, oh, intriguing. How Marina Pryor? How? Oh, maybe like three days before oh, sure. it happened. Yeah, I guess I mean, like like on the day. By the way, <laughs> lower your expectations. <laughs> yeah. Now, so yeah, appreciated that heads up. But then, yeah, went went inside, sat down in the same seat because you know how comforting that can be. Still couldn't see the hole. Still, I think I could have seen the hole if I'd looked up. Mm. But as I walked into the theater, I met with like Darby James sitting on stage because uh-huh. it's just going to be him in the show, and he's dressed as like a little sailor. Oh, that's really cute. Ah, <laughs> good on you. Yeah. So yeah, little sailor with like a little like you know those like cool like pirate. Like steering wheel things. <laughs> I've never been a pirate. You can just say a steering wheel. That's ste- fine. <laughs> Is it, they're not a, like a piratey word for it. Wheel? The steering wheel. The, the, um, the, the steering wheel that has all the little like spokes on yeah. the sides. Yeah, the, steering wheel. The knobs. Steering wheel? A knobby wheel. Wheel. The wheel. Get back to the wheel. People yell that at pirates. Get back to the wheel. Called, I think it's just R- the wheel. Okay. So I walk in. I pass a handsome pirate. I sit down in the chair that I was just in during protein. And but I said, warmth still there. Um, <laughs> I don't exude warmth. <laughs> exude something. Mm-hmm. And I sit there and I think, okay, do I need to like engage with my eyes at this pirate? <laughs> or can I go back to reading? I go back to reading. I wait for the show to begin. Good. The show starts. Thank you for leaning in. The show begins. <laughs> Sorry, what's happening? No, nothing. I just wanted to see what you would do if I paused. I leaned in. I was excited. Yeah, see? That's how tension works. Do it again. It's a masterclass. <laughs> so the show begins. Oh, oh, oh! See, sometimes people will have a gazzy. And that's what you want. That's what I mean. <laughs> I feel like I'm Helen Mirren. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, the show started. And then it's, yeah, so it's a show with like a bunch of like lovely songs in it because Darby's very talented. Um, and yeah, it's about sperm donation. Oh, sure. So it's about during COVID, he happened upon sort of like accidentally this, like an ad on the internet that was like, give your jizz, please. And then he was like, perhaps I will. And yeah, he sort of like goes through in like quite rigorous detail, the whole process of kind of like thinking about doing it, deciding to do it, going to the sperm bank, all the rules surrounding it, Hmm. donating the sperm. And now sort of like the feelings he has about having done that now. Great, he's got little Darbies out there. Potentially. Potentially yeah. little Darbies. Like, uh, yeah, he did, at the end he was sort of like the time between doing the donation and the show being on was pretty much a gestation period for a person. Oh. So around now he could have children. That's crazy. Yeah. Would you want to do adoption or in, or, or in vitro fertilization? These are, they are my two options. What's the other one? Have sex with a lady? I'm not really even that one. Okay, react like that. <laughs> I, I, that was a very organic Jesus. accident. I was like, you're going to make me do it? <laughs> um, thank you for not making me do it. I'm not going to do that, no. <laughs> um, yeah, well, yeah, th- that's the conversation that I'm yeah, keen to have with you. But I guess in terms of like... In terms of us raising a child... No, 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 in terms... <laughs> Um, James, I've got a really important question. Just in terms of talking about this show, yeah, I think I just wanted to like hammer home. Like, obviously, it was like a it's in development. That's the whole idea. So I don't want to yeah. say like too much about the details of it because it's yet to turn into what it's going to be. Sure. But just letting you know that this show is out there lurking and will be developed into something that could be a cool time for you to go and see. Especially if you're interested in this sort of thing because I never really thought that hard about potentially donating sperm. Yeah. But now I'm super excited about maybe doing it. You should. <laughs> I should. Yeah, we need more little Jakes out there. <laughs> 
cannon fodder for when the apocalypse comes. Well, I have a question. A question that it made me think about watching the show, especially in some of like the, the sort of like darker, more pensive moments. Quack, quack. Quack, quack. What in you do you hope that your child would not inherit? Ooh. Do you have an answer immediately? No. Okay. I don't know why I think of these questions and never think yeah, to answer never them. think about the answer. <laughs> what in me would I not want my child to have? Yeah. If you could just my pluck stage one. presence, I wouldn't want to have to compete. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, um... <laughs> probably... My... Oh my god, this is hard. It is hard, isn't it? <laughs> like, there are so many parts about me that I... Wouldn't wish on people. <laughs> like I don't think right. I would want them to have my. Like what? 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 What are we talking? Are we talking like, anything? Okay, I wouldn't want my child because, of course, they could get anything genetically. They could get it because you're yeah. raising them. Even if it's just one thing that you wish you didn't have. To have my a bit like, like my tendency to form habits very quickly. Like I guess in an addictive sort of way. Okay, I think it's something I would want my child to not. Have to be less prone to addiction. Less prone to addiction would be good. Any sort of addiction, like uh, addiction to a, a routine or addiction to a to like a substance. You like, wouldn't want them to be, to be good at routines. No, no, because like I, I very quickly get addicted to the wrong routine. Like I, oh, like, yeah. like I just immediately like, kind of went through. Like I will kick a dog every day. If Once I don't see a dog, I'll find a dog <laughs> and I will kick that dog. Uh. No, no, like um, in terms of, like waking up very late and not being able to get up any earlier or. On reflection now, I'm sort of realising a lot of that might have to do with the fact that I probably have insomnia. Mm-hmm. So I guess I would wish... Oh, I would, wi- I, would, I would wish my child would not sleep like me. My, my child had better sleep like Flynn. Okay. That's what I would wish. Is this some celebrity... My partner, Flynn. Oh! <laughs> you actually got me that time. <laughs> well done. Ah, bravo, bravo. Uh, um, Flynn is my boyfriend. Oh, my God. And he sleeps like... A, like it sleeps like he's just a switched something and he just falls... Uh. Bastard. Lucky Bastard. for sleeping like that. Lucky you for having a boyfriend. That's all very exciting. Thanks, Jake. Uh-huh. What would you wish your child not have that you do? While you were talking, I think it would just be like shame. I think I would like them to be mm. have nowhere near my capacity to just like fall into and never be able to overcome shame. Sure, that's yep, that's a very that's something you don't want to wish on people. No. Yep. Yeah. And I think it would really like if I were raising this child, it would really devastate me to see shame affect them the way that it affects me. Oh yeah. And so yeah, so the thing of like I would make it very much like a mission of my parentness of being like making sure that of all things for them to not contract and if I can stop it from happening to the child, that's a thing that I would want to make sure never happens to them. Oh, I'd say. that's nice. Sure, 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 sure. So when are you having kids? <laughs> oh my God, yeah, no, so that's the thing. Are you, you've given more thought to this. I've given me. a lot of thought to this and I, I think I am at a place in my life where I can see myself having children at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always said that I would adopt but now there's a part of me that's like, oh, <laughs> what a waste. Maybe I do want little me's. Because of narcissism? Because of narcissism. No, oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because of, I don't know, there is something about that sort of like, you know, not necessarily passing on the family line, but just something special about, I don't know, having... Passing on the family line. Passing on the family line. <laughs> no, but having like a little, like little... A little guy who you might grow up to be like, oh, you look like your dad or you look like me. Like, there's little things there that's like... We are related. I think that is something I would like. Okay. In my brain of brains. That is not from narcissism. It's more from like some sort of presumably like monkey part of you. Yes. That wants yeah. Very monkey to... brain. Very monkey brain. Okay. What about you? 
No, I'm not in a place where I'm, like, thinking about child having any time soon at all. Because you've gone on a journey in your life where I, where a few years ago you were white picket fence. Quite a few years ago, I'd say. I'd say, like, maybe four. Sure, at least, yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah. Yep. And you've gone on quite a journey. Thank you, yes. Yeah. yeah. And currently, no, I'm not, no. No, but I'm still, I could be so pushed in any direction. Yeah, and as I've said, like... I could be convinced of anything if I, like, fell in love with the right person and they wanted a like, particular thing. Yeah, sure. You know? Like, if anything's going to... As with... I feel like everything in my life, <laughs> falling in love will be the thing that makes me change my mind about anything. <laughs> right. Which is a weakness. Let's <laughs> not unpack that now. <laughs> we don't have the time. But, yeah, no. Mm, but so, so that's... Yeah, no. But currently, mm. in no rush, and I do not dream about it during the day. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll be... Getting some of Darby's sperm. No, I'll use my own sperm. I've got sperm. Yeah, you. I've got enough sperm. You need uh, twice the other part. (laughs) We want extra sperm. Too much. You and the Flinster and Darby can smoothie it out. All right, all right. And then pump it into some generous lady. That's enough of this. Mm. But would you ever put it into a bank? For like a rando to use? Because you can give it up to, I think you said nine families are able to get your sperm. What'd you say? Do you get paid? No, but they reimburse you for, like, work that you miss and for public transportation or, like, petrol money. Is there a shortage of sperm? Um, the way he talked about it, Darby in the show, was, like, particular types of sperm are in higher demand than others. That sounds concerning. Isn't it? Mm. And he said the same thing. Yeah. And his sperm, for whatever reason, (laughs) was particularly, like, would be gobbled up quite fast. White. Come. No, no. White man. Potentially. That's grim. Sure. Oh, that's... But, yeah. God, that's gross. Yeah. Um, sorry to end that no. on that. No, no, and that, that itself, t- as he says as well in the show, the show is very, like, succinct in the way that it talks about those sorts of issues. Mm. Of, like, the reasons that, like, because people can afford to do that sort of treatment. Yeah. And as you're saying, like, people want their kids to look more like them, so it's, like, upper-class white people potentially really wanting to have white kids. Yeah. And, you know, other stuff. Um, Gotta be but sad yeah. to see that show when it sure. blossoms. Yeah. But, yeah, like, nine families can have... Like, you can be one of the parents... In nine different families' children's. Wow. Nine yeah. little Jameses. <laughs> At least they can keep pounding out more use. Ugh. What? <laughs> what are you urging? Ugh, Why are you groaning? you and the way you talk in general. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you want to talk about another show? I'd love to move sure. on from this now. <laughs> Sorry I didn't see the whole. <laughs> Just you. <laughs> <laughs> so good to see That's all I you. had, that's fine um, Welcome back Thanks Hope you got your coffee, had a little tea mm-hmm. um, I'm going to be talking about the show that I saw now Great process Thanks, I went to the Cracked Actors Theatre <laughs> I had never been Of course, the one next to the lake One next to the lake yeah. What a beautiful, charming little space Yeah Obsessed Right So plodded along, got there, went alone <laughs> <laughs> If you're going to go to a lake, go by yourself. Go by yourself. No, no, I did, I did have plans with someone, but they pulled out, which is fine. Yeah, you seem um, over it. It's fine. <laughs> Sharpening a knife. It's all good. Um, went up the stairs. Yeah. There are stairs. Yes. Uh, went inside. And then, yeah, it really, I remember you talking about this. It really is like, they point you down a corridor. Mm-hmm. You go down the corridor. In the corridor is a bar. Yes. <laughs> Hello. It's just like, oh, God, can I sidestep? I got a Carlton draft. Oh, because you had to get past the goblin somehow. Had to get a tinny. Yeah. Uh, so I got a tinny. Yeah. Wandered on in, which is just around the corner. <laughs> yeah. And then there's the stage. There's mm-hmm. the theatre. It's such a nice little. Like it feels like a quintessentially like 
I, this might sound shady, I don't mean it to, but it feels like a community space theatre. Sure. Like it feels worked in, lived in, used, mm-hmm. and, and made into a theatre. Like I, I love, I really thought it was so charming. Yeah, if you didn't know you were next to a lake, you could be in the country somewhere. Oh my god, but the fact that you do know you're next to a lake. Oh my god, there's a lake right outside. of magic. Oh my god, nearby oh. lake. <laughs> oh, nearby lake. To know a lake is nearby. Oh. <laughs> Sat on down uh, by myself. Yes. Front row. Fantastic. And lonely people love the front. <laughs> what, I will say, one of the things I love most about this theatre, mm. all the house lights, they're just turned off by a regular light switch, baby. They're just turned <laughs> off by a regular light switch on the wall, and I think that is fabulous. That's great. I think them just going, all right, and just all the lights go off <laughs> in a theatre is wonderful. Yeah. Um, doors open. What? Doors, curtains <laughs> open. Yeah. Um, and we're there to see In the Ghetto. Great. Uh, which is a show written by James May. Mm. Um, quick fact about the show. Yeah. Uh, Be quick. Was... <laughs> I'm busy. <laughs> quick fact. <laughs> Won't keep you long. Is it a long fact or a quick fact? Um, Cracked Actors Theatre held a writing competition at Midsummer last yeah. year yeah. called 50 Years, Queers and Pioneers. Oh, a lot of rhyming. Well, that's a good good title. Yeah. Um, and it was all to pick a play. Um uh, that brought the zeitgeist of the movement today into context for Midsummer Festival 2023. Wowzers. And so this is the piece that won that competition. This was King of the Zeitgeist. King of the Zeitgeist. The zeitiest geist. <laughs> <laughs> Which geist will it be? <laughs> Zeit you or Zeit me? Souls. Um, so Rob Mills in Geist. <laughs> With Gemma Ricks. I'd watch that. I'd, I, I have watch a geist. That. Okay, that's enough. That's enough. Stop bringing ghost into this. Um, Zeit Ghost. Oh. Oh. Okay, so um, so this was the show that won that, and they they've put it on now. That's what their contribution to the Midsummer Festival. I think that's great. Great. Ah. Ah. So curtains open. Yes. Uh, Andrew Vag is on stage. Fantastic. As the character Jet. Okay. Vag uh, plays Jet. Vag goes Jet. Vag goes Jet. Vag goes Jet. <laughs> um, and the set is like this beautiful room, bedroom. It's like. Mm. Jet is sitting on the left stage on our on our left stage right. Yeah. Thank you very much. I know terminology. Um, he's sitting down at like a beautiful mirrored. Um, uh, what are they called? Dressing table. Dressing table. What's it called? Uh, uh, when you're full of yourself. Vanity. Vanity. That <laughs> a vanity. Uh-huh. You know you. Um, ah! <laughs> ah! Oh! Ah! Ah! <laughs> uh, and and behind him is a little str- is like a baby uh, crib. Okay. Uh, and then the rest of the room is like there's a couch. Cupboard, like it's a very authentically rendered bedroom. Okay. And then onto the scene comes Richard James Pengley. Okay. As Quiver. Wait, Richard James Pengley is his name? Is the character. Is oh. the actor, is the actor, the actor. Okay, great. I thought the As character was Pengley. No, Qu- Quiver. Quiver. Great name. Great name. Oh my God. So this is a show about two people in, and I'm using quotes here, the gay ghetto. Okay. Which was Paran. Uh-huh. In like, I guess the 80s and 90s? Sure. Have you ever heard that term, the gay ghetto, the ghetto yes. in the ghetto? Yes, because people still refer to it to, like as that now, as like a nod to Do its they? history. I've yeah. never heard that. Yeah. Well, I've learned something from the show. <laughs> um, so the two of them are, are, are queer men, queer people living in queeple. an a- queeple, we call them in the business. <laughs> yes. Living in an apartment in Brand, and the sort of the show just turns out to be like a unpacking what they're going through living in this area. So so. Jet is sort of like, I guess, like an aspiring drag performer mm-hmm. for a, for a bit of it. Like they've got like a wig at their table. They're always touching. Uh, <laughs> most of what Jet does is being sad at home. Great. Seems to have depression. Great. Great. Uh, 
And Quiver is, I will just say, a meth head. Okay. Just straight up. Like, like I do meth. Do meth. Um, Love meth. Loves a bit of meth. Live meth. Has like a like a <laughs> shopping trolley full of shit he's got off the street. Okay. And like is really well well played by Richard as like this very methy person. Okay. Um, and the, it's just that they're... Methy a, always sounds like messy with it a does. list. Well, they are methy. They're very methy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the two of them in this apartment they're in a rocky relationship okay. much like the ice cream um, Rocky Road oh <laughs> when you hear Rocky you go to Rocky Road I go to Rocky Road oh I either go to Bullwinkle or the Horror, P- Horror Picture Show I should probably do that one Rocky and Bullwinkle you love the filmography of Piper Parabo who's Piper Parabo Piper Parabo is the woman in the Rocky and Bullwinkle movie is she like the evil German no 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 that's Robert De Niro's friend Okay, so <laughs> Piper Parabo is the sad detective. I think I'm done talking about Piper Parabo. <laughs> Actually, to be honest with you, she was in Coyote Ugly. I don't give a shit about it. <laughs> and Cheaper by the Dozen. We're here to talk about it in the ghetto. Okay, Cheaper by the Dozen. I know Piper Parabo. Piper Parabo. <laughs> so, so yeah. the show is sort of like unpacks. I, I, I won't give away too much, but it unpacks sort of like um, Jet going on like a bit of a journey of. Uh, identity and sort of figuring out who they are as a person whilst living in this relationship with Quiver who is obviously going through the issues of um, addiction and struggling with that and just um... is it just the two of them in the show? No. Oh! No, no, just you wait. (laughs) So there is a there's there's a character that isn't really a character it's a baby doll. Okay. And it is brought on, its name is Zaza. Okay. And it is very much, it's not a baby, it is a doll. Okay. But the two of these queer people mm. have decided to raise this baby doll as if it's their daughter. Okay. And so a lot of what their decisions are driven by are like what's good for their child and what's good for their baby. Uh-huh. But it is actually just a doll. Like it's not like... And they know that. They... But they treat it like it's they real. They treat it like it's real. Yep. Uh, which was... A core piece of the show. Uh-huh. And I feel like I just needed to say it and get it out. Sure. So that was... Because I just find baby dolls scary. Sure. Because <laughs> they might come to life they and kill you. They might come to life and kill me! <laughs> um, <laughs> sure. Well, that's that's almost a bit of who's afraid of Virginia Woolf action. Who is afraid of Virginia Woolf action? Not me! <laughs> I'm very brave. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, In the way that they have, like, a potentially made-up child. Oh, sure. Okay. I've not read... I've not read... <laughs> You've not I've read. never read. I've never read a book. <laughs> Good, you shouldn't. It's fat, it's fat Don't do it. <laughs> I'm too slim. Um, yeah. So I will say the best part of the entire show was the was was when it opened, and the curtains open up, and Dolly Parton's cover of In the Ghetto just starts blaring, <laughs> and it's just immediately. Is that how it started? That's how it started. Great. I was like, oh yeah. Is that your favorite version of In the Ghetto? Well, I've never heard this song. But I'll tell you what, after this show, I have now heard every cover of In the Ghetto. Oh, wow, they got it. Because, like, every time a scene changed, In the Ghetto, <laughs> a different cover. Elvis. Oh, wow. I'm pretty sure the Cranberries had a cover that they did. Mm. Like, was, like, every time it was, like, a different version of In the Ghetto, which I thought was a pretty nice little little technique. I thought that was very cute. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to hear a bunch of different people sing that song. Yeah. Um, the other members of the show, there's Joel Belling who plays multiple characters. Both of these play multiple And Kim Davies both play multiple characters. And I now want to shout out a few of my favourites. Um, favourite characters. Favourite characters that <laughs> they play. Like, uh, I've got to go ahead and say that Joel and Kim stars the show. Oh, great. Because they just put on all the different hats and they play uh-huh. all these different characters. And mm-hmm. I think that's always... As we said earlier, yeah. that's always something that's quite impressive. Uh-huh. So Joel plays Donnie, who's like the, the meth man who deals the meth to, to quiver. Yeah. And... <laughs> 
I don't think I've ever seen someone play a more convincing drug-addled man. Oh, okay. Like, uh, up close on stage. Mm. Like, he was in it. Great. Like, very convincingly. So, shout out to you, Joel. That was impressive. Yeah, that's He also hard. played the therapist mm-hmm. for um, Jet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was one of those one of those versions of a therapist where they don't ever say anything. It's all asked. Okay. You know, like, and how does that make you feel? But have you thought about this? And what about this? Like, everything they say is that sort of tone where it's just constant questions. Was it like my therapist where he just lost interest repeatedly? <laughs> no, 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 no. You've no. got to stop calling your dad that. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. No, no. Um, <laughs> I don't think you are. That was a lot of cackling for a sorry person. <laughs> I'm pretty happy with myself. Um, and Kim Davies, nah. who plays Fran, okay, <laughs> said with intention, Fran is like the boss of I guess the meth ring that is going on around well, town a, like, a lot of this show is like meth like it's a, there is a significant amount of the show devoted towards the quiver doing meth right okay cool like like it's it's all about like yeah he's, he, he, the two of them having their own struggles and his is with addiction right and like meth isn't like a like a like a vague background thing meth is like a, at the forefront no no they have to mime about. doing a like smoking out of a meth pipe and they do it quite well good golly yeah <laughs> yes, Molly. Um, sure. so Fran is like this bogan butch gruff where's my money sort of character <laughs> that Kim nails fantastic fantastic uh, Kim and then in contrast to that Kim played two other characters Kim played the manager who Quiver sort of tries to get a job from she played like the manager of this call centre and she just sort of immediately goes into this very shy demure sort of woman who's sort of unable to hire Quiver because he's just a meth head mm. and, and she can't really sort of I can't, I can't take it I can't really and she does this sort of fantastic caricature of that and on top of all that then she plays the doctor who Spoiler alert! If you're gonna go and see the show, Jet gets HIV. Oh no! Yeah. So it is. So like, there's addiction and HIV. Those are the two sort of things that they're sort of juggling. Yeah. Sorry, um, I never know how to respond correctly to someone. Probably never. Theater play getting HIV. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> well, you shouldn't applaud. That's no. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to sound so genuine. We know it's it's not real. It's in this play. It's all right. Okay. Uh, oh, uh, sorry. So, please continue. So we got HIV. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Fra- and Kim that's no good. <laughs> better. That's better actually. Kim plays the doctor, and I've just never seen a better depiction of like a doctor that is just so like, I know it's best for you, and you're going to listen to me, and I'm going to tell you exactly what's going on, and you're doing, and like raising an eyebrow every now and again at like the slightest little thing that he says that she doesn't agree with, mm. and I think in comparison to Fran. Mm. Playing those two other characters. It's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, you're actually a really good actor. <laughs> like, that Fran really threw me, but you've really won me over with this doctor persona. Oh my God. No, I just thought it was nice. I thought yeah. it was nice. Um, it's like an impressive range. Yeah, the four of them on st- the four of them together were really, really gorgeous. Mm. Yeah, um, there was something really touching about watching Jet and Quiver sort of these two lost gay souls mm-hmm. who are just both falling apart for their own reasons and barely keeping it together it's sort of there was something really haunting and nice about watching them both sort of be like this baby's what we've got to look out for this is what we need to b- believe in to get us back on the right track mm. and then just taking this doll and and yeah sort of becoming this weird family that is holding itself together I think is quite was quite interesting but also made me think of like how many families out there do that like, have a child to keep themselves together. Right. And yeah. I wonder if it's better because they're gay. Probably not. If it's better for Quiver and Wet White. For any of them. 
<laughs> I'm just trying, sort of thinking out loud now. I don't know what I'm saying. About fixing family dynamics with a baby. With a baby, yeah. <laughs> I think maybe it's fine because it's not a real baby. In this specific instance? In this specific instance. Oh, sure. If it's, if it's a coping mechanism that helps them resolve their tension. Tell and you what. It worked so well. That at the end of the play, They're spoilers. Both dead. No, no, no. <laughs> so they but they they go their separate ways. Yeah. Um. Uh, Quiver gets done for having meth. Gets done. Gets done by the police. And oh, gets okay. locked up. Okay. Um. And and Jet goes and has a bunch of like psychiatric help. Okay. And the two of them then have coffee together later on. Quiver, and the babies come to life. No, no, no. Oh. Jet's got the baby at the table. Okay. Is having a coffee? Who mm. comes around the back corner? It's Jet. It's Quiver. <laughs> Jesus, Jet. Ruined the twist. <laughs> it's Quiver. Yeah. With another baby. A different baby? They got two doll babies. Who does? Both of them. They both oh, have no, a they, baby. Oh, they... Wait. They split. And then they separately had babies. They separately had babies. The fake babies Fake still. baby, doll baby, who they both know are doll babies. And okay. then they come together and they have like a coffee with their doll babies. Do you think the dolls are a metaphor? Or do you think this is a thing that they've just worked out is a good device for them and their mental health? Yes. I mean, yes. <laughs> I, I think both of those things. I genuinely am not too sure. I was a, okay. bit, I was a bit confused by the baby thing. Okay. But there was something very beautiful mm. about watching them at the end. Just both have like, after having all their troubles, having a coffee and a chat with their children. Mm. I thought it was quite nice. Great. Even if it is a non-conventional family. And it's, in terms of it being a play, like it's cool for the ending to somehow manage to feel happy and resolved while being weird. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, great. yeah. It still it didn't it, it didn't fix their problems by being like, oh, you just need to stop being weirdos. It <laughs> yeah. basically doubled down. Said, you just you both can be your weird. Own baby. You're both happy. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. I thought there was something in that that was quite nice. Yeah. 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 If you had a son, would you call him Jet or Quiver? I think I would call him Jet because I think you can't name your child Quiver. Why? Because. Quiver, yes, is a scary name for a child to be. A scary name. I'm Quiver. You don't have to. Don't That's have how to they would voice. talk. That's how they would talk. They would start talking like that. <laughs> As if they get teased. Oh, I'm all a Quiver. You know, like. Do children know that word? I think Quiver is a weird enough word that people would make fun of it, and that wouldn't give him a, a build some character. Plus, Jet's a sexier name. You want your child to have a sexy name? Absolutely, I want my child to have a sexy name. It is they should be able to be sexy. It's an interesting gift to give to your child. Oh, God, if you can give your child a cool, sexy name, do it. Not Quiver. <laughs> I like Quiver. You would call your child Quiver out of those two? I think. I don't I do, don't think I could have a son and call him Jet. I think it's too cool a name and I'd feel intimidated. <laughs> I would feel intimidated. Like Kane. That's another name I really love. Sure, yeah. Yeah, Kane. but I think Quiver. Quiver's kind of sweet. Quiver is where you keep like arrows before you shoot them. Yes. You know, like that's kind of cool. Okay. <laughs> and it starts with a Q. <laughs> you have a real good grasp on what the word Quiver is, don't you? I like it. You clearly do. Um, <laughs> anything else? <laughs> I'm just checking my notes. Oh, yes. Oh, I will say mm. the set was well thought out to the point where they had three different so they had this little like coffee table that was like uh both it was a cafe table uh-huh. it was the table in their living room mm-hmm. and it was like a table for a different cafe <laughs> and each time they changed the chairs to represent this different area and i thought that was just a nice touch yeah yeah there was like because you love a flexible furniture piece i just think it's de- it's dedication to the art they had like Chairs for when they're in the apartment, mm-hmm. chairs for when they're in that other cafe, mm-hmm. and chairs for when they're in that other cafe. And That's I great. just thought, yeah, good on you. Because mm-hmm. I remember one of the things that annoyed me the most about Beautiful, the, the musical, Carol King musical, Carol King musical <laughs> everything in that musical was they was paid so much attention to making it obvious that time periods were changing. Yeah? Yeah, like like 
costume obviously but like set like all of it they, they made such attention to detail to make it obvious what different decade we were in oh and then the piano okay. yeah didn't fucking change a thing <laughs> Maybe it was her favourite piano. Yeah, no, nah, should have changed it. She's not playing at the same piano in the studio as the one she grew up playing. Unless she insists that she does. Mm, that <laughs> I don't know enough about up. Carol King. No, it sounds like she might have done that. I just know that she's naturally a woman. So I guess what I'm saying is I appreciate when, when, when they pay attention to detail. Is Beautiful the one where they kept going to that Italian restaurant? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Oh, is that, no, is that, um, that was a... Uh... Jersey Boys. Jersey Boys. I think maybe you just think that because they were Italian. Maybe they both went to Italian restaurants and I'm not racist. Maybe someone finally mashed them together. What would that be called? Beautiful Boys. (laughs) 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 Wrap it up! Hey. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, so me and beautiful British Johnny went mm-hmm. to Theatre Works the other day. Oh, great. Yeah. We went to the Explosives Factory oh, venue. Oh, God. Yes. You're tense because... I hope you're okay. I, nothing blew up while we oh, were there. Bad factory, then. <laughs> um, so we went... And we were almost running a bit late because we went to like a little bistro thing beforehand and Johnny got two decadent desserts. Two for himself or two for, the, like, for you to share? He lyingly told the lovely waitress that we were going to share them, but they were largely just for him. Oh, good on you, Johnny. He's a dessert I'm guy. I'm on his side. I know you are. Mm. <laughs> Gluttony parade. So we had to... We had to... Finished two decadent desserts and then jogged the explosives factory. God. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, went there, went upstairs, sat down. We made pretty decent time, honestly. So stop stressing. I'm... The show hadn't even started. <laughs> I'm very impressed. Thank Jake, you. <laughs> it was my first trip to the theatre. I did it quite well. You did it very well. Yes, thank you. We got there and we sat down and explosives factory. Have you been there yet? Not yet. Still, Still not. Still waiting. Still waiting. <laughs> but yeah, so I like the way they set it up in terms of like, the stage was on a risen platform and everyone else was just kind of in this like smattering, like there's almost random feeling smattering of chairs around the stage. Nice. Like, yeah. In the round or? No, it was like still like, pr- okay. pr- like thrust. Sure. But like no one was on the side. So like more of a proscenium energy. Yeah. We were all just facing this stage. Great. And which I am always into. Anytime these things get utilized, like you know, like those butcher's flaps, those big. Oh yeah. Flippy flappy. Yeah, yeah. Giant two big pieces of placky. Yeah, but like there's like, strips of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like when you walk into like a fish and chip oh, shop and you get slapped ones. in the face. I mean like the ones at the back of Woolworths that are just hu- two huge doors they, that you can just sort of push through. It's like a, it's between those things. So it's like when it's like, if you go into like a, like a slaughterhouse or something. Yes. And then the big flappy plastic rectangles. I, we're talking about the same thing. I know <laughs> And they're flappy. <laughs> and are they big? Smack yeah, yeah, yeah. I get them. They're smacky <laughs> and they're big. They're placky and they, they're, okay. Flap, yep. Here's yep. the sound they make in the Keep wind. Keep the meat smell in, they say. Yes. yes. <laughs> you get it. I understand. <laughs> so the stage itself is like it's wide, uh-huh. and then <laughs> sort of like three quarters of the way upstage is where they are suspended. What are they? They're flippy flappy <laughs> butcher's <big> flaps. <laughs> and now and then the performer goes behind them to do particular things. But that's how the stage sort of is presented and yeah, is right. shaped. Um, it's written, so the play The Milf and Mistress is written by J. Montgomery Griffiths, mm-hmm. who you'll recognise as the person that was in the one person show that ruined my life, The Human Voice. Oh, God, with that beautiful set. Yes, yes. that circular, yes. Yes? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah I remember. Yeah. Great. Um, yeah, so she wrote it, and then Jennifer Vuletic, v- mm-hmm. it's a beautiful looking surname, but I didn't know how to say it. <laughs> Sorry, Jennifer. Yeah, so yeah, she's the only person in the show. Um, and yeah, the dramaturg was Bryony Dunn, who I also just want to point out, I always really love the work of, so it's great mm-hmm. to see anything that she has anything to do with. And it was directed by Diane Toulson, who like runs theatre works. Oh God, wow, a lot of names. Real hot shots. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so it's like, 
Part of what I really loved about it was like even before the show started, like Johnny and I both noticed that kind of like the people gathered to see the show was kind of a collection of people that were not normally around necessarily when we're like seeing shows or really doing anything really because it seemed like it was people sort of like around the age of 40 and a lot of what seemed to be like lesbians mm. and I was like cool like right. what I <laughs> like I don't often get to do things with these sorts of people so it's cool to all be sitting in a room together and then there the show started and yeah and so it's just her talking on stage and uh, the lighting's really like dark and mysterious and beautiful quack 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 quack, quack. and Jennifer's character is talking about what it's like being a sort of like 50-ish lesbian woman um with a wife kind of like living a traditional kind of like family life with two sons and it begins unpacking the kind of like things that I've never, again, I've not spent a lot of time at like very lesbian-y theater before. Totally. No, neither. <laughs> um, and I wish I had more chances to do it, but I feel like this was a cool example of it because it was kind of like, to whatever extent it was, I don't know, truthful or whatever it is or some sort of accurate, I guess it was, it felt very honest the whole show but about being kind of 50-ish and uh, in what feels like a very stable, in some ways almost like heteronormative feeling situation in mm. terms of the way that her life functions um, and lives it alongside conventional straight couples. Um, but goes into the things that I've never really had a chance to sort of think about because like, me not being a lesbian doesn't know many of the things that she was talking about in terms of like... Um, considering herself to be a lesbian and not being queer because she doesn't really align herself with what it feels like queer is. Like, she's very much a lesbian. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, things like, in terms of the lesbian experience, like, apparently, because it's got a very big laugh, lesbian sex is very reciprocal. Sure. I mean, what do you mean by that? Well, that's, that's the sort of face I made when I was like, wait, isn't all sex like that? But it's like, no, it seems like lesbian sex is more like, you do it to me, then I do it to you, and it's all very, like give and take, give and take. Like, they're communists. They're communists. Lesbians are communists is what I've been led to understand. Sexually, mm. yes. <laughs> yes, it's, wow. it's much yeah. more like, based on whether or not it's true. Again, I'm not a lesbian, but I was amidst them and that seemed to elicit a, a chuckle of agreement. Sure, okay. So I'm just reporting yeah. back to you what I learned. <laughs> this is the gay agenda here. <laughs> We're convening about the lesbians. Um, okay, great. Yeah. Because um, this is the show that I, I, I really wanted. I thought about seeing this show. I really wanted to go and see it, mm. and then you were seeing it, so we can't both see the same show. Of course. <laughs> Doubling up on the content. Um, but why were you intrigued by seeing it? I just think I... I, I just... I think for the reasons you're saying, mm. first of all, it's like a crowd. We're not really around very often. Mm. It's a side of lesbian, queer or not. It's part of the queer world that I'm not very in tune with. Mm. Um, and I think anytime you see older women on stage, you should go and see them. Sure. Because I think that's always... I just think they always have interesting stories to tell. Sure. And it's also interesting to, like, see them tell them. Yeah, exactly. Because even like, older people in, like, older bodies, there's just, like... People, like, carry wisdom. And they everyone, yeah. everyone develops a larger spectrum and capacity for, like, explaining things. And you know what? One day, you're going to be that old. If I'm lucky. And you're going to want people to come and see you do shows. <laughs> yeah, this is all me looking out for number come one. On! <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um... Yeah, um, but then, so then what sort of happens throughout the show is interspersed in maybe like 15 minute chunks of how the show develops. We get this moment where she takes all of her clothes off and steps behind the flippy flappy butcher flaps okay. and has what? Because the show is called The Milf and Mistress, so you're yeah. kind of ready for something bdsm to happen. Yeah. 
and she steps behind there and then in these little grabs of time that we get between her otherwise chronological linear story of finding the BDSM community we get these grabs of her experiencing like getting whipped and getting bound and getting mistreated in these oh, sort of sexual behind sessions the yeah That's so she does cool. all of that back there and then yeah comes out the other side and yeah continues talking to us in like her regular sort of setting and that that's how the story sort of happens and it kind of leads you through her suburban life raising her sons and exploring this desire that she sort of suddenly happens upon of which she very like quite relatably to me at least sort of like describes as like a desire to feel something Mm. and even though she has all this stability and happiness and has ticked a lot of boxes in terms of having a stable, content life. There's still this part of her that wants to feel something that she isn't feeling. Yeah. And seeking out, like, online, like, fetish communities. And going to, like, a kink night. And then finding this, like, Mistress Eve person mm. who will provide her with this, like, what she quite wonderfully, like, towards the end kind of, like, describes this BDSM relationship with this professional as like a type of therapy and totally. how, and how yeah. much like therapy and like going to the, the hairdressers is like a style of self-care and a and a type of looking after your needs oh i love that right god i would love to see the show mm. yeah it's cool and i think it was especially like i really loved like on top of everything else that i loved about the show it was great to see something as like primal and human and exposing as like sexual need and mm. appetite in front of me, in person, in a room of other people. Sure. In a way that... In a way that... It's one of those things that theatre is especially capable of. Like, I've always been drawn to and have strived... Strived? To sort of, like, (laughs) explore with my own work the, the, the... the way that sex occupies our bodies and how seeing another person's body, exploring that exact thing in front of you is so much... I don't know. In my mind, at least, capable of so much more in terms of what can be offered to you as an audience member and as a performer um, on stage and in the same room as you mm. more so than seeing it like in a TV show or in a movie oh, or something. Oh, totally, yeah. You know, like to be in the same room as someone who is like talking about their body or showing you their body. Or... The energy is completely different. Yes. It? Yeah. And it's like, and it's like scarier and mm. it's, it's in many ways, I feel at least like more generous and it's braver and it's also like the beauty that is possible mm. is so much larger. I don't know. So... Yeah, there is something... It's also just such a vulnerable story to tell. For sure, like, yeah. It really is one of the rawest things you can sort of offer up. Is what? Uh, just, like, discussion. I think especially, like, conversations about kink like that, the, the way you were talking about them, them being sort of, like, therapy, I think that in particular is sort of offering up not only your sort of sexual journeys that you're going on, but it ties directly into sort of, like, your mental journey and, and mm. the way you're at... In your in yourself, and I think to sort of like put that on stage for a bunch of people, and like to have that discussion is very vulnerable. Mm. And I think that's the like that's some of the the rawest stuff you can offer up to people. Yeah, especially live people in front of well, you. Well, that's you can because yeah. it's not the same with screens. I don't know mm. if it's that literal wall between you. Yeah, not butcher flaps. Sure, but yeah, but I mean you can do a lot as well. Like Good Luck to You, Leo Grand is one of my favorite movies that I've seen recently, which is like Emma Thompson exploring her sexual needs mm. and i cried a lot during that that was yeah, <laughs> you are jake i am me and weak and foolish mm. <laughs> um but yeah but what was i gonna say um yeah i think it's interesting too of like us living in and this feels very year 12 essay but like in a hypersexual culture sex has been deemed of course some time ago as being something very capable of helping to like move product yeah so 
every product chose to go sexual and now everyone ingesting all this media assumes that everyone is very sexual and oftentimes the very like same type of rather sanitized conventional sexual Mm -hmm. and it's pretty fucky to be like especially growing up in a world that is like you want to fuck all the time you want to fuck constantly and you should be wanting to get fucked and we all want to do it in the same way Mm -hmm. and it's always going to feel really good um and the limited extent to which we are comfortable even having conversations anywhere outside of that very like strict slice of what normal is considered to be, mm. anything that pushes us in a direction of being able to have those complicated conversations, I think That's is really stuff. yeah really mm. worthy of a claim. I think because if we don't I don't know get better at talking about them, then people are just gonna be like left in the shadows or like left and you know unsatisfied in so many ways. You don't want to pass on your shame to your kids. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. And I'm like, like imagine thinking forward to like a time where. Not that we should be fucking in the streets necessarily, but when it's like... When, when sex when, is... Yeah. But yeah, when, when like so much shame is alleviated and we're actually able to explore ourselves in that sort of way, like how much of all of us is going uncelebrated and unexplored mm. and how much of us... How many dissatisfactions live inside of us all the time mm. that will never even get, I don't know, touched. And it's a shame because sex is such a life-affirming thing. Like, for sure, yeah. It's just normal, healthy sex is so good for people. Yeah. When it's not this, as you say, that narrow band of this is what it is, mm. this is what is acceptable, and this is what is unacceptable. And it spreads all the way into, like, uh, even just outside of like, capitalism, it's like into religion and marriage and expectations and those sorts of things. Yeah. Oh, my God. Abolish it all. <laughs> abolish it all! Yeah. Oh, to start again. Start again. Take me back to a field. Oh. God. But yeah, sexy lesbian BDSM play was cool. <laughs> it sounds and, like it. Yeah, and I yeah want to believe that like the, a really like a great collection of really wonderful appreciative people saw it, and it's you know spawned some really cool conversation. Hmm. Is my hope. <laughs> well, but yeah. All right then. Bye. <laughs> Yeah. Um, end it. End it there. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Midsummer. Thanks for coming along for our Midsummery thus far. Hope you had fun at the parade today, guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah, today we are recording on the day of the parade. We are recording on the day of the parade. We are not, not there out of protest. <laughs> but we are also not there out of not protest there. I could not finish Notting Hill. Yeah, end of there. That's I think I think we got it. I think that's a perfect take. Um, I we, our opinions may change. People's opinions change. We may or already disagree with what we've already said. Yes. Um, and friends don't let friends become theater critics. Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. So um, unless you have any other questions, we're out of here. <laughs> Bye.